today and for this beautiful day that we've been given. There are a lot of announcements. Um, please look in your bulletin. First of all, there is an announcement personnel and nominating committee. There'll be a quick meeting in the senior adult classroom after church. So if you're on that, please plan to attend. And let me see here. As you may have heard, Pastor Andrew and his family were in a minor car accident. They're doing okay. But we do want to lift them up. Kids Closet, the next one will be October 3rd. And we are looking for donations of clothes and money to help support this. Also, save your ACME receipts as they have started the community cashback program again. The upper rooms are available. Bible study is Tuesdays on Zoom. If you need help with that, please let someone know at the church. And um, the address is there on Facebook. There will be no Bible study this Tuesday because Pastor Andrew is still out. Mom Sunday is coming up the end of the month, and the form is in your bulletin. The deadline for ordering those is the 20th, so please get your orders in. There are alternative work camps planning for 2021. They're for all ages, so even us old people can get in on that. And um, if you would like to participate with special music, please let Becky or Christine Klein know so they can get you plugged in there. And a thank you from Pat Beach for the prayers and cards and thoughts. Commission meetings will be, are coming up on Tuesday. Commission meeting at 7, executive at 7.40, and we need to get those budget requests in. There will be um, re, uh, constitution re, revision, so please review the revised constitution at that. Uh, we did hear that um, this past week that Karen Fergus did pass. Um, they had some private services and those are completed already. So there are no future plans. And uh, we do lift up the, the young family, the Connor family in the loss of, of Doran. Some of you know Brenda Hostetler, who is coordinator for D district disaster relief and her husband died. So um, I wanna lift her up as well. The new prayer list is there. You can contact Pastor Andrew, Bonnie Young, Becky Eby with any prayer requests. And are there any other announcements that need to be highlighted? Well, for our prayer requests, we do lift up all those who are not feeling their best for one reason or another. And as mentioned, we do want to lift up Doran Young's family and Karen Fargus's family. And there are a number of names listed in your bulletin. We did get an email. Um, the, what was the little boy's name? Logan. Logan. Um, some friends of Gail's want to lift up Logan, who is having some difficulties. And any others that you would like to highlight at this time? or bring up that haven't been, aren't in there. 
Everyone's very quiet this week. Usually you guys are a little, little more vocal. So um, we have our shut-ins and uh, we do uh, lift up Donna and Scott and Jeff and Megan and Janet, Tammy and Kurt, family of Scott, Larissa and Gary, Polly, and uh, the flowers are on, on the altar are to the glory of God and in memory of Mary Ford by Pat Peach. So remember her as well. If there are no other prayer requests, let us take time to lift our hearts to God. We pray your special blessing on this gathering. We pray for your guidance and your peace. We pray for your wisdom. We pray that you would help us to be your instruments in this world. Help us to lift each other up. Help us to share your love with others wherever we might go, that we might help others come to know you as we have known you. Help us to love others as you love us. We pray for all those that need healing and strength, for all of our shut-ins, for those who are not feeling their best for whatever reason, for who, those who re are recovering. And we lift up all the names that are on our hearts, whether spoken or unspoken. We pray that you would be with those that are suffering for what, in whatever way due to this pandemic. And we pray that you might bring this to, bring this, solve this problem and help us be able to get beyond this. We pray that you would help us to um, do your will each and every day in our hearts and in our feet and in our words and in our hands. We pray that you would forgive us as we so often fall short of what you have called us to do and be. And we pray that you would help us to forgive others as well. Help us always to give you the glory and give you the praise. And we pray that you would be with us in this service this morning. Help us to focus on you and not ourselves on this moment and not the plans for later on. Help us to hear your words with fresh hearts that we might know your truth in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1 through 16. I invite you to follow along with me in your Bibles or listen. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names, to Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice of food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. You all know the phrase, sticking out like a sore thumb. I'm a bit of an inept handyman around the house, and I'm often whacking a thumb or a finger or cutting something when I try to do jobs around the house. And so I understand very well the meaning of this phrase, sticking out like a sore thumb, because every time I try to do something, it gets aggravated and causes me pain. Sticking out like a sore thumb can be very painful. But for people, sticking out like a sore thumb is not a bad thing if that's what you're supposed to do. And the people of God have always supposed to be doing that, sticking out like a sore thumb. The book of Daniel tells us about four Hebrews taken in exile to Babylon, and they did just exactly that. They stuck out like sore thumbs. Daniel is one of the most familiar characters in the Bible. 
Many of us as children grew up learning the story of Daniel in the lion's den. We may also be familiar with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who got thrown into the fiery furnace. And very few of us would not be acquainted with the phrase, the handwriting on the wall, which also comes from the book of Daniel. Those who, who, who are familiar with the book of Revelation would certainly rec recognize many familiar images in, in the book of Daniel. Daniel is labeled apocalyptic literature, and apocalyptic means revelation. It is a message given in code or in a hidden way that is to be, that is unveiled or to be understood at a later time or by people who understand the code. Apocalyptic literature comes during times of persecution. And the hidden message is, first of all, that God is in control and will vindicate his people. And secondly, we are to have courage and to hold fast to the faith. Now there's much evidence that although the stories of Daniel circulated for centuries among the Jews, the final form of the book was probably put together during the second century BC when the Jews were back in their homeland after the Babylonian exile and after they had been in exile in Persia as well. King Cyrus of Persia had decided to let the Jews go back home and they did. Let me give you a simplified version of what happened after that. So after Babylon was defeated by Persia, Persia then was conquered by this young upstart soldier named Alexander the Great. He swept through the area, bringing virtually everything under the control of Greek power and control. Alexander also began a process called Hellenization. And that was that he attempted to assimilate all the various countries and cultures under Greek culture. When Alexander died, his kingdom was divided between four of his generals. The area that the Jews lived on in came under the control of the general Seleucid. And Seleucid was very intent on, on bringing Hellenization, of getting the Greek culture assimilated everywhere, making everyone conform to it. Now this came to a climax with the reign of Antiochus IV Epiphanes. Antiochus IV was an arrogant, power-hungry king who thought of himself as God. He was in, determined to force Greek culture on the Jews by abolishing the Jewish culture and religion. He made it against the law to worship God, to possess the Torah, to obey the dietary laws, and to practice circumcision. The punishment for disobedience was often death. He took over the temple, turning it into a temple for Zeus, and he stopped the Jewish sacrifices. He defiled the altar, the Jewish temple altar, by sacrificing a pig there. Now, although many Jews assimilated with these changes, there were those who would not cooperate and were determined to stand against this evil king. They were called the, the Hasidim, which means loyal or pious. 
They refused to bow to the power of Antiochus or his commands. And it's during this time that the events happened that would lead to the celebration of Hanukkah. Most scholars believe that it was during this time that the book of Daniel was compiled. It was a message of hope and encouragement to the Hasidim who were risking their lives to remain faithful to their belief in God. Now the book of Daniel is set in the time when the Jews were in exile in Babylon and Persia, but it also reflects situations that the Jews were facing under Antiochus's rule. Each of the major stories in Daniel correlates with some aspect of Antiochus's oppression. For instance, in the beginning of the book, Daniel and his three friends are brought into the court to be trained in Babylonian ways. And as we read, they refuse to eat or they ask permission not to eat the royal food and wine that was prepared for them, but instead to eat a simple diet of vegetables and water. A wish was granted, and they thrive on their kosher diet. This story gave encouragement to the Hasidim, who were determined to follow the, the dietary laws that they had been taught. A second story in Daniel concerns the, the golden image that the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar commands all of his subjects to worship as an act of loyalty to the state. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to worship it, and they are thrown into the fiery furnace. Like Nebuchadnezzar, Antiochus had also set up an idol, the statue of Zeus, and he had commanded that everyone worship it. And the famous story of Daniel being thrown into the lion's den because he refused to pray to, the king, to king Darius and, and deter, was determined to pray to God correlates with Antiochus' own claim to be God himself and abolishing the worship of the true God. As one commentator put it, the message was clear. Do not compromise or capitulate, for the God of Israel is on your side, as was the case with Daniel and his friends. And God will ultimately bring victory to this present generation of faithful, beleaguered people. This message is true for us today. Although our Constitution guarantees freedom, religion, freedom of religion, we have many cultural pressures to conform to values contrary to the teachings of Jesus. This conformity can weaken our faith and dilute our message. Years ago, Don Miller, who has served as seminary professor and general board secretary of the Church, Church of the Brethren, spoke at a district event on evangelism. He was talking, he emphasized that people, the Church of the Brethren always emphasized that they would be known by the manner of our living. And then he talked about how at one time all brethren could be recognized by the manner of their living because they stood out like sore thumbs. They wore plain clothes and lived a life of peacefulness and simplicity. They were always ready to help a neighbor. Their word was as good as a bond. They turned the other cheek and were, were determined to serve. 
They were also dedicated to faith, being faithful in worship and in the study of the Bible. Don Miller then went on to tell a story of some old friends that came to visit him when he was in Illinois. These friends were old order brethren who still, wore, still wear the plain clothes, even this day, and therefore they really stick out like sore thumbs. These visitors, for their one day in Chicago, wanted to go see the aquarium, so they went. While they were at the aquarium, of course, they got lots of stares, but some people came up to them and asked them questions. Questions like, are you Amish? Why do you dress like that? What do you believe? What do you believe? As Don said, he never gets people stopping him to ask him what he believes. We Church of the Brethren folks no longer dress in plain clothes, but we should still be recognized by the manner of our living. There's an oft-told story of Franklin Roosevelt who often endured long reception lines at the White House. He complained that nobody really paid attention to what was being said as people uh, went by in, in the receiving line. So one day, during a reception, he decided to try an experiment. So to each person he greeted, he murmured, I murdered my grandmother this morning. The guests responded with phrases like, marvelous, keep up the good work, we're so proud of you, God bless you. It was not till the end of the line, greeting the ambassador from Bolivia that his words were actually heard. Nonplussed, the ambassador leaned over and whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> Sometimes we think people don't pay attention to what we say or do but they are listening to us. They are watching us more than we know. Is what they hear, is what they see, bringing them hope or despair, bringing them light or dark, bringing them life or death? Can they see Jesus in us? William Sloan Coffin wrote, we have learned to soar through the air like birds to swim through the seas like fish, to soar through space like comets. Now it is high time we learn to walk the earth as children of our God. And that means that Jesus lives not only in your heart, but in your head, your feet, your hands, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, every part of you. Remember Teresa's prayer. Christ be in my mind, and in my thinking. Christ be in my eyes and everything I see. Christ be in my ears and in my hearing. Christ be in my mouth and every word I speak. Christ be in my heart and in my loving. Christ be in my life each moment that I live. It's not easy living like that. And we can only do that by letting Christ live through us. And we'll find ourselves in many situations where we will be tempted not to conform to the way of Jesus, but the way of the world. In the book, Caring Like Jesus, a story is told of a young couple, Kim and Derek. On September 11th, Derek was working at the World Trade Center. He did not survive. 
Through the following months, Kim grieved and learned to deal with all the myriad of changes that come with single parenthood. Through it all, she relied more than ever on her faith in God. Her faith is strong partly because he, she has the support of a loving church family and a non-denominational Bible study fellowship. As Kim was praying after the attack, she remembered the discussion in her Bible study group about Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So she began to pray for the terrorists. She also asked God to work through her and to use her as a witness. Friends were amazed at her commitment to pray for the terrorists. Word got around and that she has had many opportunities to share about her experience and her faith. When Kim was asked whether she had forgiven the terrorists, she hesitated for a moment and said, yeah, I've forgiven them. I feel sorry for them because Satan got a hold of them. I needed to forgive them because I don't want my children to grow up with hatred for anyone. All the stories of Daniel tell us the cost for faithfulness to God, the penalty for standing firm, unpopularity, ridicule, our jobs, our belongings, our life. But the book of Daniel also tells us that it's worth it in the long run, for in the end, we will be standing on the side of the winning team. We will be the ones rejoicing when Jesus comes again. I recognize that it's hard to stand against compromise in our world, and I struggle with it each and every day. Part of our job as believers is to encourage each other to stick out like sore thumbs, to stand firm and strong in our faith. It doesn't mean that we stand in judgment against the, wor against the world. That's not our job. But it does mean that we remind each other constantly that God is in control, that Jesus is coming again, and that we must remain faithful to him no matter what. And it's people with faith like that that will not only make a difference in this world, but will find their reward in the next. It will be those that hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. Our closing hymn is We Have a Story to Tell to the Nations that Bev will play for us.
as we go from this place on this Labor Day weekend, let us remember that our, our only job is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves.